0: Amen. Good to see all of you this morning. You may be seated. Before we get into the message this morning, just a couple of reminders. First of all, I want to ask our church family to begin, if you haven't already, and be praying specifically for something that more folks would find a way to get out to Bible study on Wednesday nights. Even maybe that God would lead new people to our church who can come on Wednesday nights. Uh, But I have a real burden for our Wednesday night Bible study. And speaking of that, I just want to warn those of you that are coming this Wednesday that Basha is having a homecoming carnival here on campus. So it's not that we won't be able to meet over in the cafeteria or all of that. It's just that you're going to notice the parking lot's much fuller than it normally is and that there's going to be all kinds of traffic and people around the campus. But anyway, that's Wednesday, 7 o'clock our bible study over there then just taking it calendar wise the next thing coming up next weekend a very special weekend here uh, through the oasis ministry we're having a strengthening the family weekend and our special speaker all weekend is pastor miguel olachea from Mexicali, Mexico, as those of you that have been part of the Oasis know that our church and their church is sort of in a partnership together, and I went down there and spoke at several churches in Mexicali last year, and Pastor Miguel's coming up here, and we're going to have something for the men and women on Saturday morning, and that's at Tumbleweed Park, and uh, it's at 9 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Men, women of the church, we're encouraging, whether you're married or not, just all men and women to come out to that. We need to know, though, how many men and women are coming to that on Saturday morning, September the 24th, so we can plan as far as how much food to prepare. So for men, if you'd sign up at the men's table out there, and women, if you'd sign up at the women's table out in the lobby, that would greatly help us. This is the last weekend. We need to know after today approximately how many men and women are coming on Saturday morning to that. And then Saturday night, we never have a Saturday night service, but this weekend coming up on the 24th, we're having a Saturday night service, seven o'clock here in the auditorium on Saturday night, and then Sunday morning, our normal 10 o'clock service. All of these will be bilingual. We're going to have an interpreter with us, as we always do when Pastor Miguel comes up and we're expecting a lot of visitors. We have reached out to the Hispanic community around us, and as we did last time Pastor Miguel was here, we're expecting a lot of visitors. So anyway, a very special weekend. Uh, I'm looking forward to to it, and I hope you are. To be in prayer for that weekend as well. And then the following week, we'll get back to Ephesians. Oh, childcare, thank you. So if you're part of the Oasis family and you'd like to come to the breakfast on Saturday morning but you need somebody to watch your children, Our girls in our youth group have stepped up and said that they would be willing to watch the the children for you, but you need to make arrangements to do that. So if you'd also go out to the women's table and talk to Marcia, she'll be able to hook you up with some girls in the youth group to make that happen. And then Saturday night we do have childcare and Sunday morning obviously childcare. But Crystal, because this is an extra service next weekend, she needs extra help. So if you could help Crystal out watching children either Saturday night or Sunday morning, I know that she would greatly, greatly appreciate that. Also then, coming up just to put on your calendar or save the date, uh, the last couple years we've been having our church picnic in October uh, out at the Johnstons uh, place out there atop of the world. It's a beautiful spot to have a church picnic, and we're going to have that again on Saturday, October the 22nd. So mark that on your calendar. Saturday, October the 22nd is our church picnic. And then I wanted to bring this to your attention too. I mentioned this to our elders last week. Uh, On Friday, November the 4th, the Friday before our election here as a nation, uh, we are going to have an oasis day of prayer uh, for our nation for our election, for our leaders, and all of that on Friday, November the 4th. And we'll be giving you more details about that in the coming days, but I wanted to let you know about that as well. So on Sunday mornings, we're doing a series through the book of Ephesians, and so we're going to continue that today. So if you have your Bibles and want to follow along, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 11. While you're finding that, let me start by saying this. God designed us to be interdependent on one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. God designed us to need one another. In fact, it is God's design that the only way you and I as Christians, as followers of Jesus Christ, will really grow spiritually and become strong and healthy is in the soil of a close-knit community of believers. Please hear that today. Not just here at the Oasis, but I'm calling on all of you who will be listening to this on podcast. And the reason being is we live in a day and age, even in the church, even amongst Christians, where we're not really prioritizing our Christian community. That we live sort of in isolation, separated and divided from one another. And yet that's not how God designed his people to live and how the church was to function. In fact, very few, I believe, Christians really experience true Christian community as God designed it. And they're really unaware of what they're missing until they experience it. And then they're like, oh my goodness, I've never experienced anything like this. This is wonderful. And the reason I say that is because some of you who over the last six and a half years have become part of the Oasis have told me that. You say, I never had so many Christian friends. I never did my Christian life really connected to my brothers and sisters in Christ like I have started to do here at the Oasis. Because if you come here, you will understand this is a huge priority for us. The Word of God is certainly a priority here at the Oasis, but also encouraging and challenging all of us to live in this close-knit community of believers is another great priority that we have here. And then to bring worship in to where worship becomes the complement to the word, not competing with the word as it does in many churches today. We're going to talk more about that at the end. And that's where Paul's coming from here. Because Paul is writing to this church at Ephesus that is predominantly made up of Gentile believers. And yet he's saying, you realize that when when God did this miracle of making you alive in Christ, when you turned to faith in Christ and you accepted him as your personal Savior, that he made you alive and then he raised you up and he seated you with Christ in the heavenly realms. And we saw last week all the possibilities that can happen in our lives, even individually, when God becomes part of the situation or we invite him into the equation. And Paul wants to continue that by saying, And look at the possibilities of what God wants to do corporately as you and I are willing to connect with each other like we should be willing to connect with each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And he uses the extreme example of Jew and Gentile. He says, you realize that when God began saving Jews and Gentiles, he didn't want them to ever have the Christian church of the Jews And then on the other corner, the Christian church of the Gentiles. No, he's saying when God saved you, he wants you to be part of the same church and the same body. And to lay aside your cultural differences and even your animosity and your enmity towards one another, and, and all those years where you, you stood apart from each other and you distanced yourself and you were separated, and maybe you had prejudice against each other, and all of this, he says, in Christ you are one. And he says, you need to start coming together rather than staying apart. So, notice what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, beginning in chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision that is performed on this body by human hands, that you were at that time without the Messiah, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without Christ in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who used to be far away at a great distance have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. I love that word near. In the original language, it literally means squeezed together. God took us, first of all, from a great distance from him because Paul said last week, we were all dead in our trespasses and sins. And yet when we turned to God, he made us alive. He brought us from the lowest of lows to the highest of heights, you see. He worked his supernatural power, his miraculous, miracle-working power in our lives, and he gave us spiritual life who were spiritually dead. And now Paul is saying, do you realize God wants to continue to do supernatural things in your midst? He wants to continue to do miracles in your midst, and it's in this way. By having all this diversity, all different backgrounds, all different cultures, all these different things coming together as one in the body of Christ and literally not only being now squeezed together individually and coming near to God, but now being squeezed together as one of all of us as the people of God. Which is why I love what he says next. He says we have been brought near by the blood of Christ and he now Christ is our peace and he has made us one both groups into one and notice he destroyed he abolished he broke down he dismantled the middle wall of partition the enmity that was between Jew and Gentile now you and I can't really probably appreciate The enmity that was between Jew and Gentile. But we certainly live in a world where there's a lot of hostility and enmity from one group to another. We understand that. And Paul's saying, you realize that that part of what Jesus did was he tore down the wall, first of all, between us and God, to open up a way through his blood so that we could have a relationship with God and have that wall that was separating us and God torn down in Jesus Christ so that we could come near to God and be nearer to God than we ever could before. But he says, you also realize, right, that when God tore down that wall between us and him, he also at the same time wanted to tear down that wall between us and others. If God expects Jew and Gentile to be able to get along in the body, to coexist, not just to coexist, but to work together and to lay aside all their differences, then how much more does God expect any of us today, no matter what background we come from, what country we come from, what culture we come from, that when we come to Jesus Christ, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, and he is there to tear down those walls. That's part of even what makes next weekend and what we do every once in a while so significant is we are modeling and being an example of a church that, in spite of our language barrier and our cultural differences, we are one in Jesus Christ. Folks, when we get to heaven, there's not going to be, well, we're over there on that side and and, and God keeps us all divided and separated. There is none of that. And the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that one day when we get to glory and we're even part of the kingdom, that there will be people from every nation, every tribe, every language, every culture, worshiping and saying, worthy is the Lamb. Because Christ can make us one. See, he can do miracles. As we talked about last week, with man it's impossible, with God all things are possible. There's nothing too hard or difficult for God. And God can tear down the walls. Now, here's the problem. Even after we become a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, even though that wall between us and God was torn down, we can start putting it back up again. We can start putting walls back up between us and God. That's sometimes what Christians do. That's why they feel not really close to God. Not because God has a wall up. God tore down that wall. But we start putting walls up between us and God. Sometimes we're trying to hide from God like Adam and Eve did in the garden. You know, our life isn't, isn't the way we know God would want it to be. And even though maybe in our heads we know we can't hide anything from God, we start putting walls up between us and God. I thought of this as I was studying and praying over this message. That time in my lifetime, one of those historical markers I'll never forget, on June 12, 1987, President Ronald Reagan stood at the Brandenburg Gate between East and West Berlin and called on the leader of the Soviet Union at that time to tear down this wall, to remove the barrier between East and West. You know, God did the same thing when Jesus died. The Bible says that as soon as Jesus breathed his last breath on the cross, that this curtain that existed in the temple, that was sort of a curtain that symbolized the distance between men and God, the manifestation of God's presence in the temple, that the Bible says that at that very moment, that huge, heavy curtain was torn from the top to the bottom. It was as if God was symbolically saying, the way to me is open, the wall has been taken down, come to me through Jesus. The sad thing is that even though that wall has been torn down, whatever separated us from God, we can start erecting walls back up in our lives to keep us further and further away from God. And we can do the same thing with one another. Our fears, our insecurities, and even the distractions of our busy lives keep us as Christians many times from experiencing true Christian community like God designed it to be. We're too busy to get together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're out there all on our own, isolated, trying to do it all ourselves. God designed us to need one another. God designed us to be interdependent. God designed us that the only way we would become spiritually strong and healthy is in a close-knit community of believers. And if Christians really believed that's what the Bible was teaching, they would be flocking to church every time there was an opportunity to get together with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But obviously we know we live in a day and age where church attendance continues to fall, 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 fall because we live in an age that the world's philosophy has crept into Christian thinking, and we believe we can be independent, and we can do this on our own, and we really don't need each other, and we really weren't created to be interdependent on one another, and we really can become spiritually strong and healthy on our own without our brothers and sisters in Christ. But that's not what the Bible teaches. And that's what Paul wants to hammer home in this passage of Scripture today. God took down the wall. Now, I know what many people say. Well, but you don't understand, Pastor. I threw myself out there into a local church in a community of believers, and I got hurt, and I got burned. So have I. We all will. That's part of relationships. But see, what God is trying to get us to to do is to get to a place where we are mature enough to go, even though there are no guarantees when it comes to getting closer to people in relationships, I know that I will grow more in relationship with other than trying to do it by myself. And even to the fact that I trust God enough that even if I get hurt again or burned again or betrayed again, God is bigger than all that and actually will use it in my life again to propel me forward spiritually rather than go backwards. If we really believe in the God of the Bible, that's why many times throughout the Bible you see that the greatest growth that took place in people's lives in the Bible were in environments that they would not have chosen for themselves. Do you ever think about that? Think about the Bible characters. And and when did they experience their greatest growth? Was it in their little comfort zone where everything was just as they wanted it? See, that's what cracks me up about Christians today. When they choose a church, first of all, we shouldn't choose the church. We should let God place us in the church that he wants us to be a part of. We'll get to that in just a minute. But anyway, when Christians choose churches today, it's all about them. Well, I'm choosing this church because it's where I feel good and it's where I'm, and, and I agree with every, first of all, I'm like, you, you really? You, you agree with everything there? Because I, I don't know any Christian that, that God ever says, now I want you to find a church where you agree with everything that the pastor does, everything that the leadership says, Everything. Because there is no such thing, right? But God is saying, you understand that, that in that environment, that's where you'll grow. That's where you'll grow. That's where you will propel, propel yourself forward spiritually. It's not about finding a group of people that you can all of a sudden you know, be just like you and have everything your way. When was that good for us? We as parents don't even tell our kids that. And yet somehow, even as adult Christians, we bought into that. Now, that's not what the Bible teaches. So that's why Paul goes on to say, he says, he nullified, verse 15, in his flesh, the law of commandments in its decrees. He did this, notice, to create in himself one new Man from two, making peace. By the way, the word create there is an important word. It's a word that is only used in the Bible in its relationship to God. And it speaks about God being the only one that can bring something out of nothing or or the ability to make something that's never been there before. So notice the context here. He's saying to these Jews and Gentiles in Ephesus, he's saying you, you realize that God is the one that can bring you all and squeeze you together even though you didn't even want to be close to each other before and he can bring you together and create something by by combining and mixing you Jews and Gentiles who are Christians and Christ followers, and he can create something that, that he could never have before if you guys would have remained separated from one another and at a distance. I want you to think about that concept. I really want you to consider that because we'll illustrate that a little bit later. See, Paul says to the church at Ephesus. He is the one that can make peace from both of you. God is the one that can remove the enmity, the hostility, the prejudice, the hatred, and all of that and bring different people together. I've told some of you, I I don't think I've ever shared this generally, but I had a dream years ago of being the pastor of a church where I could look out on Sunday and literally see people from almost every country of the world as part of our church. I just think, again, that is a church. That's a body of believers that reflects who God is. You see, why is it important that local churches do this this way? Because, again, Paul says, we as the people of God are to reflect God who he is. That's how we bring him glory in the church, Ephesians 3.21. That's how people see who he really is in us. Well, the Bible teaches that our God is three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In fact, we talked about God the Son, especially on Wednesday night, and the fact that he's the only one of the three that has two natures, He has a divine nature, but he also has a human nature. God the Father and God the Spirit do not have a divine and a human nature. That's only found in Jesus. And yet the Bible teaches that our God, who's three distinct persons, is one. 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 And that's exactly what Paul says. God wants to do that with his people. He wants to show who He is through His people. So, all of us who come together and can come together in unity, not uniformity, because God wants us to be diverse, He wants to show what He can do with all of this diversity and being able to bring us together and create in all of us one new entity the one people of God, the one church. That's why Paul goes on to say in verse 16, and to reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, the symbol of God's infinite love, by which the hostility, the enmity, the hatred has been killed. (laughs) It's been extinguished. It's been done away with. See, that's what I think grieves the heart of God is when down through history, since the church began in the book of Acts, God looked at all these local churches that were supposed to be a reflection of him, and he continued to see instead of oneness and unity and people coming together and connecting to each other like they should to manifest who he is, we continue to squabble with one another and fight with one another and break off from one another and not work through things together, but just leave and go here and there and and, and never really get glued to one another like God designed us to be. That's why, and, and I'll say this because I come from a Baptistic background, that's why some towns back east you have First Baptist Church, Second Baptist Church, Third Baptist Church, Fourth Baptist Church, Fifth Baptist Church, because they all sort of couldn't get along at one point and just went, you know. Denominations are man-made. You realize that, right? That's part of the reason why the Oasis is not any affiliation with any denomination, because denominations divide the oneness that the people of God are supposed to be. And if you know me at all, you know that doesn't mean I'm anti-doctrine. I think we can be very strong on the truth of God and the word of God and doctrine, and yet be big enough to let our differences aside and be one and come together We allow too many things to divide us and separate us and keep us at a distance. And if Jew and Gentile were expected by God to do this, then any of us today are expected to do it as well, no matter what background we come from. Can I tell you, it's one of the things I do love about the Oasis even now. We've got a few people from other countries and other parts of the world here at the Oasis, which I think, again, is really cool. I remember when Doye and Tulu first came, I was like, yeah, it's so cool to have you guys here, you know. But, but you look at the Oasis, you start, again, getting to know each other, you start finding out all the different spiritual backgrounds we all come from. I mean, in God's sense of humor, he put a pastor together who comes from a Baptistic, conservative background with a worship leader who comes from a charismatic background. How is that going to work? It works fine. It works fine. Because we're one in Jesus Christ. Some of you come from a Catholic background. Some of you come from Presbyterian, Methodist, whatever. But what we are to show each other and show the world is, it's not about labels, just like we put on people. It's about being one in Jesus Christ. So notice what Paul goes on to say. He says in verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off. I think he's speaking there specifically about Gentiles. And peace to those of you who were near or literally nearer the Jews. So that through him we both have access to one spirit to the Father. There's no haves and have nots in the body of Christ. It's not like certain Christians get resources that other Christians don't have. Paul's saying, you realize, you Jews who always thought you had some kind of special in with God, that the Gentiles have the same access to God that you do? Same. And then he goes on to say, so that through him we both have this access, so then you are no longer foreigners or non-citizens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household, all part of the same spiritual family, because you have all been built on the same foundation, that of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, the one stone that aligns and fits everything else into the spiritual building that he is creating. Now I want to get for these last few minutes to these verses because outside of the one phrase back in verse 14 about Jesus being the one who destroyed the middle wall partition and he tears walls down that we erect. And again, let me go back to that for a minute. Even after we become a Christian, we can start erecting walls between us and God. And obviously, we have walls between us and others that we put up. Now again, folks, I'm not talking about privacy. We all need to have privacy in our lives. And I'm not talking about not having healthy boundaries in our relationships with each other. But far too often, we put up walls between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ that keep us too far from each other, keep us too separated from each other, keep us too far at a distance from each other, and then we cannot achieve what God intended for his people to achieve, because the only way we can achieve it is by becoming a close-knit community of believers, which is what these last two verses in the passage talk to us about this morning. Verses 21 and 22, to me the key verses, where he says, in him, speaking about Christ Jesus, the whole building being joined together grows. Don't miss that. Did you notice? that you and I have to be willing to be joined together to one another, then we really experience growth because again God designed his people that the only way we will grow strong and be healthy spiritually is in a close-knit community of believers. If you and I as Christians are not willing to join together to truly come together and get connected to each other. If we keep ourselves separated, if we keep ourselves at a distance from our brothers and sisters in Christ, we will never experience the growth that God wants to see in our lives and that should happen in our lives. Because we can't do it from a distance. We can't do it having all these walls between us and one another. Again, is it risky? Absolutely. Are there any guarantees I won't get hurt? No. But the risk is worth the reward because what we experience in relationships, even the pain in relationships that we have, is far greater to our growth and maturity as Christ followers than any of the negative that can come out of those relationships. God wants us to get to a place in our maturity in him where we see that. Are you willing to be joined together with your brothers and sisters in Christ? Let me even ask you this. Do you feel one with your fellow believers? I mean, do you really feel one? Because that's what Paul said. He created us to be one. I think how sad it is when I ask Christians, do you feel one with your group of fellow believers? You know what I've heard around this valley since I moved here? Most people don't even know that I go to that church or I don't know anybody at that church. I just sort of show up on Sunday and then take off and get in my car and leave and they don't see me till the next Sunday. No, no connection, no real close-knit community. It's just church for them is, again, just a place where they sort of go, show up, and that's it. But that's, that's not being joined together. Literally, it means that God, Lord, literally, like, fits us in like joints into one another. And then he says, when you and I are willing to be joined together, then we grow into a holy temple in the Lord, a group of consecrated worshipers. And then he goes on to say this. He says, by whom also you are being built together into the dwelling place of God in the spirit. Literally, in the original, this is important. It literally means to be built up by being together. So again, the importance of, am I willing to do this together with my brothers and sisters in Christ? Am I willing to be joined together? And do I realize that the only way I'm going to be built up is by being together with my brothers and sisters in Christ? And then he goes on to say, so that then... God has a dwelling place amongst his people. Now, I know what you're, some of you are saying. Well, doesn't the Bible teach that God's omnipresent, that God is everywhere? So why would the Bible say, well, so that God could be there in a sense? Because. If you study this, it's talking about not that God just literally is there, but it's a place where he manifests his presence and his power. Because again, what is God looking for amongst his people? He is looking for a group of worshipers without walls. He's looking to create a group of people in every local church where there are no walls between us and God and the walls that we've erected between us and God are now taken down and the walls that we have between us and one another are taken down. And God says, can you imagine churches that have no walls? That's what what the goal of God is in our lives because Christ came to take down those walls. Christ came to remove whatever separates us from him and whatever separates us too far from one another. And God says, do you know how dynamic worship would be of me and service would be of me and how dynamic church life really would be if we stopped putting up walls and letting God take down those walls and tear them down? You know, Paul even said to the Corinthians, the resources that God has given us can tear down strongholds. The word stronghold in the original language literally means a walled fortress. God can take, just like the walls of Jericho, God is all about taking down the walls that separate us and divide us from one another and from Him. And that's what Paul is trying to get these folks in Ephesus to see. God still. He doesn't stop doing supernatural things just when you and I accept Christ as our Savior. Then he wants to bring us in together and squeeze us together with brothers and sisters in Christ that aren't like us in some ways and think very differently from us and come from all different backgrounds. Wouldn't be people maybe that we would choose to do life with, but God says, it will be for your greater good. Get in there and join them and be built together. All right, we're going to take a little turn now for a few minutes. I'm going to ask some of you to volunteer. I need nine volunteers from the audience, and this, folks, has not been pre-planned. so I hope it goes well. (laughs) Because somebody was saying to me, do they know? No, we don't know. I just like to see what God does, okay? Would nine of you be willing to come up here and join me on stage at this point? Just really, you, you come on up. Good, thank you, Mandy. You're the first. Come on. I need eight more. Oh, good, good. Good, good. Okay, how many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I need two more. All right, one, two. All right, good. We've got the nine. Yes. Thank you all very much. Now, just, just stay a little bit at a distance from each other for now, okay? Stay, stay at a little bit of distance here for now. Good, good. All right. I'm going to start about, we're, we're going to illustrate something today, okay? I have to get my recipe out. All right. Oh, boy, this worked out really good. You're going to be sugar. <laughs> wow. All right. Let's see. You're butter. 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 All right. You're water. All right, you are chocolate chips. Some of you already know where this has gone, right? You're eggs. You are vanilla extract. You are all purpose flour. You are baking soda. And you are salt, which we're supposed to be salt, right? Now, here's what I want us to see today each of those is an ingredient and it's not that those ingredients maybe would necessarily all taste bad on their own or not be good on their own in some way but you know what happens when all these ingredients come together come on now come on here join me join me here group hug group hug everyone and 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 do this smile and look at the camera look at that. Do you know what happens when these nine ingredients combine? You know what they make? Brownies. (laughs) Come on. You are thinking something else other than brownies? (laughs) They make brownies. Now here's the deal. Here's the deal. I want you to get this today because we need to get this and remember this and be mindful of this. This is the same Concept that God wants us all to see with the body. And how important it is that we're willing to join together and come together and be built together because who we are on our own isn't bad. But God wants us to see the possibilities of joining together with our brothers and sisters in Christ and creating something even bigger and better together than we ever could on our own. Nothing wrong with sugar and butter and water and all those things, but man, when you combine them all in that bowl and you make brownies, it takes it up to a whole other level. And that's what God wants to do here. There you go. They're getting into it now. They're baking now. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you. So, today, I hope especially, maybe it just starts with us. But I think God so wants to do something in his body. Unprecedented. We need the church to really be the church in this day and age. And we've got to stop. Allowing fear and insecurity and the distractions of our busy lives to keep us from experiencing true Christian community. God says, I came and I died for you so that the wall between you and me was torn down and I also wanted to tear down those walls between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. We're ending with this song called Great, Great God. What an appropriate song. Because God's the only one that can do this. And that's why it's so necessary and essential that we, the people of God, are willing to buy into God's program and do it. Because if we really want to reflect God to the world and to, to others and to even each other, it's not by remaining apart and putting up walls between us and one another. It's by us being willing to come together and risk whatever the risks are going to be when we know relationships just happen the way they happen. It's by realizing that God wants to create something by us coming together more than he ever could by us remaining apart. Would we declare that out to the Lord today and to one another and to the world? Would you stand with me? Let's pray and then let's sing this anthem together. Father, we thank you for tearing down that wall For removing whatever barriers, Lord, there were between us and you through the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. But God, as we learn so valuably today, Paul's message to the church at Ephesus was God also wants to do that with us. He didn't want Jew and Gentile to remain apart. He wanted them to come together to show the world that Christ is bigger than our differences. He's bigger than our culture. He's bigger than our language barriers. He's bigger than anything that divides or separates his people. That the only way we're really gonna grow and be built up is when we're willing to come together and truly be joined and connected to a community of believers in a close-knit fashion. God, may we at the Oasis be that group of people. May we believe in you and what you can do through us if we truly come together with one another. May we not be satisfied to be the individual ingredient, but be part of something bigger. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.